He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, November 11, 2023. Tom Arnold, my guest. What a great guest. Candid. You can tell how he's made a career out of being himself. He's authentic, plain spoken, and he's had a lot of experiences, including with Donald Trump, with his ex-wife, Roseanne Barr, and now being a late-in-life father. He's got a good podcast of his own called Divorce Party, and he spent a lot of time with me talking about anything and everything. My main goal was to debrief him on Colorado experiences, and he had a number of those. And then he's a proud Jewish guy, and I'm looking for wisdom from my compatriots, the members of my tribe, and Tom Arnold. From Atumwa, what is it, Eldon, Iowa, a suburb of Atumwa. Tom knows that part of the world. He knows L.A. He knows a lot of big-name celebrities. And he knows Donald Trump. Sized him up and wait till you hear about that. We dropped so many bold-faced names, including sports stars. Remember when he was the star of the best damn sports show on Fox, paving the way for so many great sports shows that followed. Tom Arnold, a movie star in True Lies with his buddy Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis. He talks about Jamie Lee and her parents, Tony Curtis, Janet Lee. Oh my goodness. It's a name-dropping special, but it gets serious too because we talk about anti-Semitism and the worries that confront not just us, but our children and the Jewish state of Israel. Who is the enemy? Who can we trust? Can we trust Donald Trump? Well, not according to Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold sized up Donald Trump a long time ago, and they've had a relationship. He had seen him up close and personal. Holy cow, the Playboy Mansion. It's just a great interview with Tom Arnold. We will get right to it. Let me tell you, we did it on Zoom. I'm wearing a Nuggets jersey, and he's dressed in a Nike outfit. And then his son interrupts a little at the start, which is perfect because I'm making a joke about who's your daddy and the Denver Nuggets and Lakers fans everywhere. You will hear about that. It's a lot of fun. And then his daughter, because he's a stay-at-home dad, about 30 or 40 minutes in, he's got to take care of some business with his daughter. And I said, go do that. It's a podcast. I'm right here. And then he comes back. He's in his office. And then with kids not there, we could talk about serious stuff, like the fact that some people will hate them just because they're Jewish. That's not right. Not in the civilized world. Our politics are not right right now. Tom Arnold knows it. He speaks about it. 
He's also such a leader in Hollywood and the writers' community. He's pissed off that the Hollywood writers were portrayed as not condemning Hamas. Well, that was some shitty leadership. As he describes, not Tom and the people who make up his guilt, but a lot of people are thinking about their workplaces. Are they still with the Jews? Who are our friends? Who are not? Tom Arnold is uniquely situated to talk about all of this, and he does so with me. If you like this show, and I know I do, please subscribe, share. I get great guests like Tom Arnold. And then understand that I have a sidekick. He's not a sidekick because he's smarter and better than me. He's our troubadour, songwriter, entertainer, Dave Gunders. And he provides his song every week along with great kibbits. This week at the end of the show, he provides his song, Hole in the Head, which is a tragic comic song dedicated to the relationship between Tom and his ex, Roseanne, who lived in Denver. And she was affected by the murder of Alan Berg, so was I. Everybody in Denver was, but her in particular, and maybe me because we were Jewish. She was a rising comedian. Wait till you hear the Colorado stories. Wait till you hear about the dinner tables with Sinatra, Rickles, and Marvin and Barbara Davis from Denver. You remember them. They owned Pebble Beach for a while, part of Beverly Hills, 20th, I don't know, movie studios, and they hailed from Denver. The Carousel Ball here and then there. Remember all the celebrities I do? So does Tom Arnold. And it starts off great as we fidget with the Zoom, and you'll hear me giving him instructions as I put it, one older Jewish guy talking to another. I think this is one of our best episodes, thanks to Tom Arnold and his honesty and the fact that he's just damn entertaining. Enjoy episode 181. Thank you. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, 
instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda? Call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. The, okay. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Let me see. Where's my Where's my face? Okay, that's you. All right. You're like an old Jewish guy, like me. I am. Yes. I feel very old. Well, yeah, very old. I'll make you feel young. <laughs> oh my God! There's Good for one, you. There's a button at the bottom that says "Start Video." Yeah, I'm trying. Okay, I see record. Yes. Uh, I see. Hold on now. Hold, hold on. I'm looking for the start video. At the Microphone is unmuted. Yes. There's a button there that says authorized video. I got it. I got it. Okay, I got oh, it. Oh, my God. There I you are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look at you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I did my research. I even know why your fingernails look that way. Oh, yeah, of course. Because I of heard course. about I you went on daddy-daughter date. Oh, yeah. Well, she paid. my daughter is seven, and she does this often. We had a premiere last night, so she uh, asked. <laughs> she did that, yeah. And then I know you live next door to Shaquille O'Neal. and Well, I yeah, yeah. So I'm just assuming that you're a Lakers fan. I am a Lakers fan. I am. So my first question is, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, you know, I... I, uh, I hold on a second. His <laughs> name is Coach yes, Michael yes, Malone. Sir. Coach Michael Malone. Oh, yes, of yes. course. After we go. swept yeah. the Nuggets, he was crowned by Vic Lombardi, a local personality, as uh, the Lakers' daddy. And when we beat you guys in the home opener, the crowd started yep. chanting, who's your daddy? A 12-point game, and Davis is on the bench. They bring in Max Christie for the first time. Vincent on top. Also in the contest is Maxwell Lewis. Young players. And you hear the, the fan faithful, who's your daddy? You mentioned this at the top. Someone said that at the championship parade in introducing Michael Malone. Oh, that's funny. That's very funny. Well, that's a that's a good, you know, that's a, well, now I know. Now I know. Hold on a second. Oh, what's on? What's on? I'm on a podcast with uh, uh, another older Jewish man in Denver. <laughs> yeah, a podcast. Yes, sonny. Uh, uh, <laughs> my son has. Well, I was talking to my son. My son is ten. My daughter is seven, and uh, I'm a single dad. And uh, they have been. I believe they they've been uh, uh, to a Nuggets game in uh, in Colorado with their cousins up there. Nice. I've done all my research on you, which means I'd like to get your Wikipedia page. How do you feel about that? Is it accurate? I have not read it, but I will read it. And I, you know, uh, I do use Wikipedia to look up other people. So I will, 
you 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 tell me what you found and I'll let you know what's real and well the remarkable thing about Wikipedia is it identifies people's religion and oh yeah well I'm, I'm Jewish I mean I'm not well, see, you're showing me a Jewish star on your tattooed on your chest, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's a little more complicated than a guy like me, fourth generation Colorado guy. My ancestors yes. on both sides fled the pogroms. We got to Denver. I stayed in Denver. But your history isn't that simple. Why don't you explain it? Well, I'm not sure what's on uh, Wikipedia. Here's what it says. That it says there's a controversy about whether you converted to Mary Roseanne yeah. or if you were born Jewish. So why don't we yeah. just ask Tom Arnold? Okay. Okay. My mother was Jewish. Uh, so I did not have to convert. Although I obviously when people convert where they're there, I find a lot of times when people convert, they know more than, uh, than if you have it originally in your blood, they, they really care. People that convert spend some time and educate themselves. So, uh, uh, much love to people that convert. My uh, my mother's side of the family is Jewish, Cohen. Uh, but you know, my fa my father's side, my grandfather uh, liberated Dachau in World War II. Was in the Forty Second Rainbow Division, and was a medic, and went in there. So they have an interesting. You know, uh, my uncle made the seminal documentary, The Secret Life of Adolf Hitler, in the late 50s. And really, that, and wrote the book about it. And, and you know, that, that had a lot of effect on, on me growing up, too. And I have some knowledge on both sides. And, you know, I grew up in a small town in Iowa where there were only four, four Jewish families. And people used to say, not enough for, for them to hate us. There's not enough family. <laughs> so... You know, I did what I, I got with Roseanne before we got married. My my uh, stepson was 12. And so I studied with him over at the university synagogue uh, here uh, before his bar mitzvah. And I think people thought that might be me converting. But it's, no, it's just me doing something with my stepson and also re-educating myself just to, to you know, figure out uh, my stuff. And so... Yeah, so I'm Jewish. <laughs> I know, but it's a choice you make, and you display it proudly. I heard you talk yeah. about it with Tim Miller, another guy from Denver. He went to Regis. I went to GW. That's a rivalry, but we'll talk about that another time. But yeah. I like the way you stand up for being Jewish. I even saw you yeah, on with that psychic in your house. What's his name? That's a great segment. And Oh, my gosh. It's from E! Online, but the thing I noticed is the big mezuzah on your front doorway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. You know, I'll, t I'll tell you what we do in this house. The kids, we celebrate Hanukkah. We celebrate all the Jewish holidays. But these kids also like Santa Claus. And I'm not, a lot of people celebrate Christmas for different reasons. But I have found that that celebrating uh, Santa Claus, who uh, is, you know, is a positive thing for kids. We have in our front yard right now, we have 24. We are way early on these holidays, but my kids put up 24 Christmas trees with stars of David on top. And then they also, uh, you know, have, you know, uh, Jewish uh, words out there and, and, uh, but, but, uh, and menorahs. And so it's a multi, you know, I, I think for the fun of Christmas, you know, I think we want to celebrate that as a dad with, uh, 
young kids, but then put our own, you know, we have a blue and white uh, Christmas tree. And then I, and that was something my grandparents did, my mom's parents, where they had Christmas, you, you know, technically when you're in a town like we were, but they were silver trees with blue lights. And so it, it opened up a, a discussion of, of uh, uh, what that was about, how to celebrate. You know, I, I think uh, to me, the choice I made is to celebrate uh, everything with my kids. But to be aware, uh, uh, yo, we are 100% Jewish. We are Jewish, but we also can celebrate that guy, Santa Claus. And, you know, you assume as your kids get older, they'll kind of, uh, you, you know, I, I do remember, too, they wanted uh, Elf on a Shelf, this Elf character. And then I got Mench on a bench, which I have to admit is not quite as fun as Elf on a Shelf. But Elf, the Elves on a Shelves, they've collected about 100 of them. It's good because they keep track. And if you're if you're bad, they, they have a direct line to old Santa up there. And so you got to, you know, you're always trying to, to, to trick kids into being good. But, you know, we do it all. We do it all. But there, it's no doubt we're Jewish. First, but we we also can celebrate other fun things with people, and uh, but but we are we are Jewish and we're proud of it. I know, but it's kind of getting dangerous, and we will get to that. No. But I want to get to fun stuff because you've lived such an incredible life, and you've talked about so many aspects of it. And thank you for explaining your Jewish heritage. That's yeah. really interesting. And I know you talked about your wild mom with Tim Miller. I recommend that podcast. You were amazing. Yeah, I like Tim. But I want to talk I to did, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I didn't realize Tim was from Denver. I have so many uh, good friends from Denver. So many people that have really inspired me in my life are from Denver. You know, it's uh, such a small world. And we can talk about the the Denver people we have in common and, and yes. You know, the, the inspirational people. Let's do it. Talk to me okay. about Colorado and Denver in particular. Well, I first of all, Maryland that that Vanderbur Atler, yes. uh and Larry Atler, but uh this woman has spoken to more children of childhood sexual abuse than any human in the world. And and this is a woman that was Miss America and then came out publicly uh, and shared openly and honestly about what her childhood was like. And it was shocking, but it was so powerful for people like me to then share my story. And I'm sure Roseanne the same way, but this is a woman I've got to know uh, personally and she's amazing. And I've got to know her and her husband and her daughter, Jennifer, but you know, what an inspirational person uh, she is first and foremost. And she married into a nice Jewish family. Yes, right. yes. I know. I know. Larry is uh, amazing. And she's just a, a go-getter. And then, of course, I knew the, I know the uh, Davis family, the, uh, which Marvin and Barbara Davis. And, uh, explain, explain how big Marvin Davis was. I mean, physically, because you were a big guy. I've been up to 250, 260. But Marvin, yeah. wow. And you're looking great, by the way. People are just Thank listening. You. You're in great shape. Way to go. And uh, Thank you. And, and so, but talk to me about Marvin Davis. How did you get to know him and Barbara Davis? And I'm sure the carousel ball was part of it. Yeah. 
Well, I, I saw Barbara the other day at Halloween. I uh, took my kids over to Nancy Davis's and uh, Kenny Rickles' house. They give out big, big candy. And it's always good to reconnect. And I saw Barbara. Uh, she's wonderful. And uh, Barbara in the 80s, Barbara and Barbara Davis, you know, they had the, the carousel of hope ball, uh, uh, for childhood diabetes. And uh, it was a huge thing. You get huge celebrities. It started in Denver. And then they they came out here. Bar Barbara Davis bought Fox Studios. He bought the Beverly Hills Hotel. You know, he started in oil. I, I suppose he stayed in oil. But their social life was the biggest. It was so impressive. And, and I remember Roseanne and I, when we first got invited, I mean, it was crazy. We'd go to dinner over at the Knoll was the name of their house here. And they you'd be at the dinner table, and there'd be Michael Jackson and a small tape, you know, 12 people, Michael Jackson, Sidney Pontier, Don Rickles, Frank Sinatra, and Marvin Davis, and and, uh, and Barbara would host these social things. And it was, you know, it was crazy. I'd be sitting there, why, how did I get involved with, how am I so lucky? And, you know, it was, it was very old school where Marvin Davis would have Don Rickles in advance. He'd say, make fun of uh, uh, Frank Sinatra. And then he'd always do this thing where he'd like, in the middle of dinner, uh, 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 Don, that's enough. As though he hadn't been a part of the planning. That's enough. You know, don't make fun of my friend Frank Sinatra, even though he'd set it up. And uh, But they were very kind, generous people, like their generosity and, and service. And, you know, Nancy, who, who I was even closer with, started the race to race uh, MS, which uh, Nancy had as MS and, and uh, Dana Davis and childhood diabetes. So they took each thing on and made it huge and made it something you could, that everybody talked openly about. And, you know, Nancy now has a, uh, because of her son, Jason, who I knew very well, who, who died of uh, uh, addiction and always wanted to, you know, always Jason always wanted to be of service, and Nancy started this organization, Stop Addiction. Now, it's anyway, it's an amazing organization where they're researching, just like she has done for multiple sclerosis, researching uh, cures to addiction, working with scientists from Harvard all over the world, and, and she's doing uh, what what she did for multiple sclerosis for addiction. It's amazing organization and, and in jason's name jason was a sweet boy her son you know who uh loved chris farley who was another friend of mine who was my best man and jason loved him they loved each other they they worked together and unfortunately with addiction i know as a recovering addict alcoholic it is a deadly thing it's something you wouldn't wish on your your best uh buddies and but early on I remember when I came and started talking about, you know, recovery and things, uh, it, there were a lot of uh, Jews that were like, oh, no, that's not our, that's not our thing. That's the thing they get. Well, right. guess what? We all get it. And it's all, it's everywhere. And it's like everything else. And you step forward and you start talking about it uh, and you start sharing about it. that's something I have done and do because uh, it's, we're, it's not a unique you know, we're not unique to 
these things. I know, but it it's a tough a, thing. And it, I've been through it is. Uh, talking yeah. to my kids. You've got a little kid in the background there. And mm-hmm. what's the right age to talk to him about that? Well, I think my they both kids are aware that daddy is sober. You know, I first I used to say, well, I'm a, you know, I have an allergy to alcohol. I, uh, you know, which I, which I, I guess I do, but we talk a lot about how important my sobriety is because, you know, to me, because of them, you know, they've never seen me. I haven't had a drink since 1989. These guys were born, I guess, in, uh, 2013, 2015, but you know, there are other things that their dad has been involved with that he doesn't do now. They're aware that I have a, a great group of, uh, sober friends and that I'm of service and that we being of service is very important to, to us and our family. And, you know, as Jews, we have to be of service to help others. And it's very important. And uh, I'm lucky to be alive. Their dad and, you know, that's something you, you got to watch out for. Right. And they have to watch out for it. Right. And I, I would say Marvin Davis probably was a good Jewish example. Oh, yeah. Very charitable guy with that carousel yeah. ball. Do you have memories of coming to Colorado and where you would hang out? Roseanne lived here. I yes, mean, she did. What, what would you do in Colorado? Well, first of all, Colorado had the best, uh, one of the best comedy scenes, you know, Denver in, the, in America, like, if you got to perform in Colorado, and I, you know, I started in Iowa, in a small town, and then I moved to Minneapolis in 1983 for five years, which where I I met Roseanne, and she wasn't famous yet, but she was a uh, the club owner I worked for had gone out to to Denver to perform and said I met this woman, this comedian in Denver that that you you guys are going to hit it off. Well, I'm going to have her come here and perform. You're going to uh, open up for her, and remember this is in 1983 when i saw her perform i'm like i'd never see anybody like this you know she was a little older than me but she was so funny and she was a mom she was jewish she was a mom she was tough and there you know and she was a uh, very liberal she was a feminist there were a lot of things i'd come in iowa where i'd spent three years working on the kill floor of a meatpacking plant so i could say buddy to go to college at the University of Iowa, which was way more liberal than where I came from. And then, but my grandpa had worked there too. So it was something that, you know, when Jews moved to Iowa, when the Cohen sisters moved to Iowa way back when my great, my great uh, grandma, great, great aunt, they worked in the garment business, but you know, you had to kind of set up shop. But then in my town, the, the meatpacking business was the big business. So my grandpa worked there and, you know, uh, a lot of people, Artie Siegel, the Siegels uh, yeah, got into Western wear. So the small a group of families, you did what you had to do. The Rosemans were in the scrap metal business, but everybody kind of stood, stood together. And Artie Siegel, who's a generation ahead of me, had Artie Siegel's Western wear. And he was also the rabbi. He would host uh, the High Holy Days in the back of, Siegel's Western, but he was such a character. He'd be on TV and selling his jeans. We have this kind of jeans. We have this kind of jeans. I mean, he was just such a character, but the the Jewish community. And then you would have, you know, a real rabbi come down from Des Moines for the, Des Moines has a great uh, uh, Jewish community. And you sort of, it's sort of 
you know, everybody was connected and everybody got, you know, you did the high holy days. You talked about it. But uh, I'd come for the bee payment. I'd never met a Jew like Roseanne. Well, let me just ask you, in, in Eldon, Iowa, or at Tumwa, when you're growing up, I yeah. know Des Moines is kind of a big city, but but the gravitational pull of the surrounding, like Chicago or Minneapolis, oh, did yeah, you yeah. think about Denver? I mean, a lot of people from Iowa come toward Denver. Did you ever think yeah. about that? Well, getting to know uh, Denver, uh, first from Roseanne, you know, uh, culturally, the comedy community in Denver was crazy good and very important. So how do you get to know people? Well, the comedy community, you know, I knew that Roseanne had come out of there and a lot of great comedians. That's that's very important community to us, uh, you know, as Jews, too. So that was a big attraction. And, you know, the people that that I got to know in Denver that were Jeff philanthropists too. But the first thing was it had a great com- comedy community. So we do that in Minneapolis. We do that in Iowa. Wasn't it, there, wasn't it a guy named George McKelvey? George oh, McKelvey's yeah. comedy club? Yes, he was a groundbreaker. And if he worked for George McKelvey, that was a goal. And he really cared. I'm going to show him. Here's my daughter wants uh, to say hi. Hi. She's she said, hi, honey. Yeah, she's yes. beautiful. But yeah, George McKelvey, if you could get there, if you could work, I, I forget it was a, if it was a comedy works or whatever. I but think Denver he had, had great I comedy. think, do you remember it was across from Kennedy Golf Course? Yeah. I think it's, yes. a, it's a strip club now. And then we have, yeah, of course, of course. And then of course we, have, it is. we have comedy works as well, Wendy it's Curtis, great. right? So we're, we're aware yeah. of the circuit and God bless you guys. And uh, yeah. just what was it like to come to Denver? Tell your daughter about Denver. It was huge. Honey, we were just talking this morning, my daughter, and she says, uh, she was talking about her friends, the, the Cohen family, and, and they didn't realize that she was Jewish. You know, she has blue eyes and, and we're very proud. And, and they were having, you know, Jewish events with the young kids. She's in second grade, close to the school there. And I said, well, of course you are. And they, and she's very proud of it and, and got to know, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Yes. that uh, you want to share with your children, uh, but you want to do it in such a way, you know, we have a lot of pride, but we, you know, there's a lot of things that are a little scary for the kids. But as a, a Jewish father, you want to share that appropriately. I know you take care of your kids, and that's a big part of your podcast, right? You're a divorced dad several times over, but your priority is your children, and God bless you for that. I love it. You know, I, I love, uh, I'm a single dad. I'm 64. The kids are 10 and seven. It is the best thing I've ever done. It's a, uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, and, you know, I've done a lot of good, uh, crazy stuff, uh, Craig, you know, I, or fun stuff. I've done a lot of movies. I've done a lot of stuff in my past, but, uh, and, uh, I, and it's a good thing that, that, you know, people say they want to be parents. Well, I'll tell you what it's on, but I genuinely love it. And, uh, you know, I love the minutia of, uh, you know, raising kids. It's a, it's really a fun thing for me. Uh, it keeps me young, man. It keeps me young. No, I had my kids late in my 40s, and now they're in their 20s. So, yeah, I was out and about in Denver as prosecutor, a single guy. I felt sorry for the opposition because I could go home and work, you know, it, no kids, yeah. no wife. 
and uh, I was dedicated to that. But uh, it was beautiful to see the way you interacted. Yeah, go ahead. A lot in common, you know. There's a, uh, I think single fathers. You know, my dad was a single father growing up too. I, I, you know, we could do it all. We, we could work. We could have our careers. We could, uh, be. There's nothing that we can't do. So, uh, we're very blessed. Okay, well, but on. I've been lucky. I got married at 38, and we're going to celebrate our 30th pretty quick. So I'm a pretty old guy now, and it can happen. Well, good for you. I got four ex-wives. Uh, which is why I have to work forever. Four ex-wives, two little kids. You know, who? Uh, that's a great, you're, you have a great story. I haven't had a date in seven years. Now, if it works out, it's got to be someone with kids, I think, that I have a play date with my kids. But I'm not worried about it. I'm very uh, happy with uh, the way things are going. So oh, that's, here we are. Th- that's great. And inspiration to you as my old pal. He was on about five podcasts ago, Geraldo Rivera who was married many times more than you, but finally met a beautiful Jewish girl, Erica Levy. And because we were good pals at the time, covering the Kobe Bryant case out of Colorado, I went to Central Synagogue with my beautiful wife, Trish, and we were there in Kennehor. They've been married a long time, and their baby daughter, Soul, is just graduating high school. So there you go. He's in good shape, man. That guy has a has a uh, rocket by like he's really yeah he he works it. So yeah, that's the way you got to be. You got to take care of yourself. I have found, you know, and uh, but he's good. Well, it's a it's a small world. It's I know, a, but he's good. a smaller guy than you. I've never seen you in person. How big are you? How big were you? And are you like me? I'm starting to shrink. I was six five, but I'm going down big time now. I'm six two still. My my, you know, my the the men in my family do go down as they get older. I can, I can pick my dad up when later in life. You know, I'm six two. I've been over three hundred pounds, which is not g- good. I had a mini stroke uh, in in January of uh, 2022. I was you know about three hundred. I don't know. I was two two eighty five, and during COVID, I really let myself go. You know, the kids were homeschooled and. I always say, well, the only person who saw me without my shirt on was my kids, and they didn't care. There's no peer pressure. But I had this mini stroke. There's a guy named Charles D'Angelo out of St. Louis that I met with Arnold Schwarzenegger at one of our charity things years ago. And he always he reached out. He wanted to trade with me, and I was like, I'm good. But once that happened, I, I called him up and said, I think I'm ready to do this thing. And and he does – you know, you only have to Zoom with him every two weeks. He tells you what to eat do an hour of cardio a day. That's a thing that has been great for my mental health. And But I also had to say to the kids, listen, uh, you know, I kind of blamed them before because I'd start uh, the elliptical and then they'd say they'd start arguing or, you know, you have the headphones on and they're acting out stuff in front of you. And I, 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 I said, well, I can't do this. I, my kids need me. But uh, I told them, listen, dad's had a little health issue here. And I need to live for a long time with you guys. So I need to do this workout. They've been extremely supportive. You know, they, it happened. And, and this, as you get older, stuff's going to happen, right? Right. Um, I, it was bath time. And I was trying to get them. And I'm like, whoever gets in the bathtub first wins. I do that. Get the baths out. Get And uh, uh, this time they both ran in there. And I thought, I, you know, I had a bath full. I go, this is a, it's a school line. Let's do this. So get in there, 
And then I do it. I think it, it's it's hard to get your kids in the bathtub. It's harder to get them out sometimes. So I do a thing where I turn around to the bathroom door and I count to 10. Whoever gets out first wins, you know, very competitive. So as I was counting, as I turned back around, my right eye felt like a curtain came down. Uh-oh. And I thought, maybe punch myself in the eye. You know, I did feel a little funky. You know, I got them out, got them in bed. And half of my vision came back before I went to bed, the uh, the upper half. I was supposed to fly to uh, Alaska the next morning to film a show. And I thought, well, I'll just, uh, I, I looked up on Google, maybe it's a floater, maybe it's, I'll just take care of it when I get to Alaska. And then I thought, well, that's probably not the smartest way a parent should act. So I, I took the kids to school. I drove very safely. I took them to school. And then I went over to my eye doctor over at UCLA. And uh, he's like, they shot some diabetes. They're like, you had a stroke. I go, oh, no, because you don't ever want to hear that. You you figure you're going to hear that one day. But uh, they go, you got to go in and check in for 24-hour stroke protocol, which I did. And, and they, you know, they give you every test. They want to see if this little thing that you had is a sign of something bigger or and, – and thank God, uh, no – uh, immediately they, they put me on blood thinners. And then I started working with this guy and he said, what do you want to look like? And I was so big. You, you can see on the social media. I said, well, this summer, that summer, I was working with Arnold Schwarzenegger again on his Netflix show, uh, FUBAR, which is sort of like True Lies, the movie he did a long time ago. I go, I'd love to be at my True Lies weight, the weight I weighed way back 29 years ago. And uh, he goes, oh, you'll be there. And I just didn't believe it. And then as it got closer to July when I was filming, I did. And I actually weighed less just by doing what this guy had recommended. And he, this man had lost, and he works with all kinds of, do- you know, doctors are notorious for being in bad shape. And he's worked with a bunch of doctors, and he works with young people. And, uh, you know, it's been pretty inspirational that keeping it off, which is something I never considered before. I would, I've lost uh, 100 pounds three times in my life, and I'd get to my goal, and then it's on. I, I never considered, well, I should do maintain this. So with this, uh, uh, you know, I've been maintaining it. You know, I'm not always perfect on my food. You know, I celebrate on the holidays. I do, uh, but it's a really good thing, and it's sort of how. And I and I always think that for when you have kids, if you want to show your kid. If you want your kids to do the right thing, you got to do it first. Instead of by promotion of good things, it's by attraction. You go, well, I like what, you know. And so, yeah, it's been a, a good thing and, uh, you know, very lucky to, to be here. You look so good in True Lies, although uh, Jamie Lee Curtis looked even better. Yeah, she's amazing. And what was she like? Talk about a hot Jewish babe, right? She's, uh, first of all, the day that they filmed her, uh, where she's uh, pretending to be a, a stripper for Arnold, they're like, I go, I, I'm going to come out to the set. And Jim Gavin's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> but she's an you know, amazing human being, you know. She is uh, uh, beautiful, but but she's also uh, huge in the uh, sobriety world. Like, she got uh, we something we talked about when we worked together, the importance of being sober. And she was struggling a little bit then. She wanted two things. She wanted to be a, a mom. And she wanted to be sober and she's gotten sober and she really has helped so many people. She's very honest. You know, she's a, I knew her dad pretty well. Tony Curtis. Yeah, for the sobriety world. And I really liked, I really liked him a lot, you know, 
But uh, she's, you know, I saw her uh, recently. I was parked over at Beverly Hills at my favorite uh, parking uh, garage there where I used to drive in circles and then until the kids went to sleep and I'd stop in there and then I could look at my iPad or do something because they were asleep in the back seat. And I saw a woman there when I was there and she said, hi, Tom, walking by. And I said, hi. She had a mask on. And uh, I go, hi, nice to see you. She goes, it's Jamie Lee. And I go, oh, my God. We're yeah. <laughs> in the parking lot hanging out where you have so many memories. But she's just a, a great person. She looks amazing. You know, uh, Arnold is killing it. He's right. seven, six, six years old. And the first thing he said when I got up to Toronto to do a show is, let's go for a bike ride, a bike ride. And I said, well, I didn't bring my motorcycle. He goes, no, no, bicycle. I was like, oh, my God. You know, and, and uh, he just gets out there. You know, I had ridden a bicycle like in traffic for a while, and I was kind of holding on for dear life. But, man, he gets out there and seizes the day, gets out, and people are uh, honking at him, and he just does his bicycle thing. I do have to say I get a little nervous with him on the bike. I get very nervous when Joe Biden rides a bicycle. Let me uh, tell you. Right. Or John, John Kerry, but could you imagine your friend Trump writing it? But we have time to get to him. Can I just tell you one Tony Curtis thing that my parents, when they got married, went to L.A. Yeah, you guys are the big brother. And on their way, they went to Vegas. My dad, 25, and my mom, 19. And at the craps table, they're next to Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh, also on their honeymoon. So... We have that going. And his name was Tony Schwartz, and he served in the military with distinction. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, he did. He did. And, uh, um, yeah, and they were a really interesting couple. What a small world to see to see uh, those guys on your honeymoon. So let's get to the headline. One, we talked about your daughter, who's proud to be a Cohen. That's good. But I don't know. Maybe it's better to be a Smith or a Jones right now with all the anti-Semitism. I saw that brawl in L.A. at the Museum of Tolerance. I thought, God, I hope Tom Arnold's in it because he could handle those guys. He was a bouncer at the University of Iowa. Were you part of that? What's going on in L.A.? I mean, here's the thing. First of all, the name Smith, Iris and Michael Smith are from Denver, they're two. They're Jewish. I know. They're, I know. As soon as I said it, I know there are a lot of Smiths who are Jewish, but not so much Jones. Keep going. Them, and, and, you know, they have the. I think it's the Jewish uh, Children's uh, Hospital, but they also support my heart cap. I have the biggest right. heart cap in America for kids with heart nice. defects and heart. Just very, very, very successful. Very generous people who I've known for a long, long time too. No, I. You know, I have no. You know, at first, uh, there was some people worried about school, the kids' school. You know, my thing is, there's a lot of very stupid people in this country. There's a, very, a lot of ignorant people on college campuses that don't aren't aware of what's going on. They, they uh, aren't aware of Hamas. They aren't aware of just, you know, to not be able to go, okay, Hamas are the worst people you know, and, and and they're the worst people for the Palestinians. They are the worst. They're terrorists. What they did was uh, despicable. And, and and you could also still say, I worry about the children of Palestine. I worry about the kids being, you can uh, leave both things. But first of all, you got to know that Hamas started 
everything. And they're terrible, despicable. They don't care about they will obviously want to kill Jews, but they also don't care about Palestinians. I mean, they don't care. They're cowards. They build tunnels for themselves to hide, but not for, to, to protect the citizens. Like they're, they're not allowed down there. You know, there's a war going on. You think they go, OK, we've got miles, 50, 500 miles of tunnels. We're going to have the citizens come down here, the kids, so we can protect them from the bombing or whatever. But no, they're like, oh, no, this is for us. That's for somebody. We want the U.N. to take care of the people there. We're, that's not our job. Our job is to just uh, rage war and eliminate Jews. And uh, But I many years ago, I met a guy, and he, he got in a lot of trouble, Irv Rubin. And uh, he was uh, from the Jewish Defense League. And I I liked him. I mean, he got into some bad stuff, but I liked him because he was a tough Jew. And he was also battling. He would go down if he were, uh, I think he died in prison. I'm not sure. But, man, he would be down there. And I just always respected that he would just get in the middle of stuff, you know, put himself there. And, uh, of course, he went overboard eventually. But, you know, yeah, I think we have to, uh, people think of uh, uh, Jews as uh, the stereotypists as as uh, weak, into certain things, and just into uh, uh, maybe only into intellectual things. But you know, we're very tough, and and the men and women, and but we're very compassionate. We're very kind. We we can think more than one thing at the same time. The violence, you know, it's ridiculous. And and what I say to if people hate Jews, it's the same thing. If people hate Muslims, if people hate black people, they will hate Jews too. There's a so whatever you see, you go well. There we can focus on everybody's hating on Jews now. We'll get behind that, but understand that the truly evil people will they hate you too. So they we all need to to stick together, and I think that there's a lot of stupidity with the college campuses and and they they just aren't. Young people get they. You have to differentiate between, you know, you you're thinking about the people that are underprivileged, the kids that are. You you could love kids everywhere, and you can look out for kids, but you got to call October seventh what it is that happened. That's the reason we're having this stuff. And there's a lot of Jews in, in Israel that really have looked out for the Palestinian people that have put themselves out there. They a lot of them got killed, a lot of people that got murdered were people that cared for Palestinian people, you know, and we're trying to make a difference, trying to work things out, trying to, you know, and they put themselves out there. So these these uh, Hamas are, are savages. I'm glad that the United States is there to keep an eye on things so it doesn't get, you know, out of hand. It's a terrible thing. After a while, everybody will look back and they'll analyze what was Israel prepared? Did Netanyahu was he really on top of this? Was this what? What is the how? What's the what happens next or whatever? But right now, we they just have to do what they got to do to get rid of those terrible uh, people. Yeah, you would think people at UCLA could read the Hamas Charter where they just want to kill Jews. Or so listen to that call saying, "Hey." I just killed a bunch, 10 Jews, mom and dad. You're proud of me, right? And they're taught that. We need to be able to talk about it. And it's not just Jews in Israel, it's Jews worldwide. So again, do you feel the threat in Los Angeles? I saw that Cantor's Deli got defaced. There was big from the river to the sea and UCLA marches. You're going there to get 
you know, medical care? Uh, what's happening? Well, I obviously, I I did see the UCLA stuff. And that I don't know anybody that interfered. It interfered. It was disgusting and stupid, but I don't know that it interfered with anybody's medical care. But I also uh, want to make sure that, you know, because the media will pop these things up. And then other people, then they start saying, well, we'll get on the media. We'll do one of these We'll do one of these uh, weird protests. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get on there too. So you want to? I haven't felt a lot of it out here, mm-hmm. you know. I, and I think once when I do see something, I'm always like a little shocked because out in LA, you know, we have a a, a great uh, Jewish community. We we're not it, we're not used to this, but there are some bad there are some bad situations, and uh, I do like that people have the right to protest and say whatever they want to say, because then you know who they are. Well, they'll say, I'm for this or I'm against this. And then right. you go, okay, well, that's what we do in America. Now we know who you are. So, you know, we, 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 cause it's not a secret. It's not a secret how you think anymore. I don't feel it's, I don't feel it's getting worse. Uh, but what's um, up, I mean, well, what's up with the Hollywood writers? And you're one of the greatest ones. You came to fame writing for Roseanne. Wasn't there a controversy that they couldn't even find it within them to condemn Hamas and Islamic Jihad? Well, that was, now you're talking about the leadership would not do that. And the us, uh, us, it, there's been a revolt, like, uh, and calling out an outrage because they wouldn't do that. And so since then, you know, people are, people in the leadership are getting fired. And people, you know, people like me that were protesting that got helped get out there and get our contract, uh, and that was a unforced error on the leadership. And just yeah, there's no there's no excuse for that. But you have to understand that means fifty thousand of us have complained about it and said, Well, we want to get they we have to have better leadership. We have you can't be like that. That's not how we you know, and, and individually, of course, we're out there doing what we do. And I, and I will say this, a lot of, I've had other Jews say, well, I'm scared to say anything because then I'll get canceled or then I'll get whatever. Well, you, you just got to say the truth. You know, that's all. You got to stick with the truth. We, I guess I do, adopted a hostage. You know, we did, there was about 220 of us that, two, that each adopted and got to know uh, uh, hostage and, and put it out and posted it, put it out there, and, and everybody's thinking, "What can we do? What more can we do?" This is a, a terrible situation. But the writers' yell thing is just bullshit. It was so uh, short-sighted, and but a lot of people in where like writers like us have just we we're doing something about that. Like it didn't go uh, uh, noticed. And it's caused some big problems within our guild. And uh, I think it's going to be resolved appropriately. I think that that that's, uh, was just uh, unacceptable. And, you know, you saw a few uh, agents and things that posted unfortunate things. And then they got removed from their, you know. But I'm always also up for, well, what? okay, I did something. I posted something, a uh, discussion healthy, lively discussion about why that would be offensive or what did you mean by that? Or here's here's what we think. I think if if you get into some 
you know, I don't know if you want to call them debates, but we need to educate a lot of people. And the kids at the, at the you know, these young kids at the universities, and, and by the way, those are, there's people from outside the universities organizing all these protests and, and, you know, they pay people like paid extras. So, but to have a healthy, healthy, healthy conversation uh, and to maybe educate, like some people are nuts. Some people just want, want war. But I think you can educate some people all the way around. And that it's like what we do is just we, we don't forget. I mean, that's in our, you know, what happened, what my grandpa saw in World War Two, it, it happened. It wasn't that long ago. So we we continue to, to you know educate ourselves, educate our younger people, to try to educate the world. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, disappointing. But I want to believe that people are being educated. I think the the uh, ADL does a great job. That uh, Greenblatt, Jonathan Greenblatt, love him. Yeah, I like him a lot. People, you know, people go after him hard, mm-hmm. and uh, I like him a lot. I think he's, uh, but you know, and and we need to. And some people don't want to be educated, but w- number one, we have to stand strong. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that happens in Israel. That that's a weird, it's a fallacy when it, when Trump says I'm a bad Jew because uh, I'm a Democrat, uh, and I, you know. That, first of all, that's offensive when, when uh, Christians or anybody else starts talking about self-hating Jews or whatever. But we don't agree with everything. But right now there's a war going on and there's a huge, ter- terrible terrorist attack. So we need to make sure all those people get home. We need to take care of people. Later, we'll, uh, I'm sure the people of Israel, because they're very smart, will take a look at how this happened, what happened, what they maybe could have done better. To, to be protected. and uh, But right now, you know, we, we got to get rid of these uh, uh, terrible people. Right. And, I, and I think it may turn into, you know, I've been to Qatar, and uh, uh, apparently they the heads of, of us live in that country. We have a base there, American base. There's 10,000 American mm-hmm. military men in, in a base. Mm-hmm. And I got to go to it because I'd go around to the troops. And it was very interesting. Uh, you know, we have a big base there that controls underground, that controls a lot of the st- stuff flying in the air over there. And, you know, to have that friction, uh, uh, but I also feel for those, cut- first of all, none of the Arab countries want anything to do with Hamas. Like, they won't, they don't want them, you know, or the refugees. They're like, no, we're not, you know, uh, we, these are, you know, they're like, we don't like Palestinians, but we're going to pretend that you know, so it's it's a crappy thing. Like there's a yeah. So he, so we got to tell them, give us our fucking hostages back. And I have yeah. Judith Weiss as my hostage. I've adopted, and God bless you. And we did a march around Washington Park in Denver. And I don't know what I would have done if I'd have seen somebody rip up those posters. What would you do? Rip it up posters. I saw a guy on the news here, and people were just kind of filming and ripping them up. And that would have been. I would have stopped that and said, hey, no, 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 and, and make your own posters. That's what we do in America. If you have posters for something else, go down there and make your own posters. You don't rip up posters of hostages. And because I don't understand what that, but, it, but here in America, if you want to make your own poster, go go hang it down there. But don't come here. This is what we think we know is right. So go do your 
the fact that you go out of your way and these people are going out of their way to take these hostage posters off is 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 madness. What I mean, again, they have the right to go make their own posters for whatever they want, set them up. You know what? It, what what really is the point of them? You know, I mean, Jew hating, Jew hating. We're subhuman. They're taught that, and Ismail Haniya, that bastard who started Hamas. With Jimmy Carter helping him along. I got to confront Jimmy Carter once about that, as he called Israel an apartheid state. And then a bunch of Carter Center employees quit over that book and his poor answers to a Denver talk show host. That was me. So I would say, hey, Qatar, Tom Arnold has a good idea. We're going to give you 24 hours. Arnold Schwarzenegger is involved, too. You're going to give us Ismail honey. You want to talk hostages? You turn him over to us right now. Boom. What a world that would be. Could it happen? I don't know. And you've been to Qatar. I want to find out about Russia because you've been in that four seasons in Russia. Talk to me about geopolitical. What's really going on? Because I don't think Hamas makes its move on Vlad Putin's 71st birthday without him saying that's okay," And Iran saying that's okay. Go ahead. They want to do that without permission, do you think? Yeah, I, well, of course. They, they, Russia's whole thing is, again, they're not the big economic power they used to be. So their whole thing is uh, they, they want to keep, they want chaos here in America. Yes. They want to mess our elections, our people, uh, they want us fighting. So, of course, they want Hamas and the Jews fighting because that be- benefits them for some reason. Same thing in Syria. You know, Iran is, they do this, I guess what George Bush called it, axis of evil. But, you know, it, it is pretty clear who the who the uh, bad guys are. And uh, it, with Putin, it's a way of diverting from, so we put money into Israel, we can't put money into Ukraine. I mean, it's pretty clear. Uh, and, and, but it's also pretty clear we can do both. Because, it, it, you know, we have to do both for the... And, and uh, I assume we will, but you can see the manipulation with the, the, the Russian government and this and that. And they, if they're not involved with something, they want to be manipulating it, you know. And then uh, the scary part is there's people like Turkey that are like, "Oh, we're kind of on the side of Hamas, even though we have a base, a great uh, air force base there. We give them all kinds of stuff. That, that their leader is is a jerk, and and they're like, well." But I think the presence of American uh, ships and and force that's in there now is is probably going to deter these other gray countries that are kind of in the middle. Uh, you know, of, it's going to make them rethink. Right. I I hope so. And God bless Joe Biden. But the main entree when I talked to Tom Arnold, he brought up Putin, chaos. What about your old buddy Donald Trump? Is he Putin's agent of chaos? You know, when he goes, Russia, 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 as if it wasn't established that Russia helped in every possible way for him to get elected. You've been to Russia, but tell everybody how far back you go with Donald Trump. Put the pieces together for us, please. I've known him 40 years. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I started, I think uh, Rosanna and I did an HBO special at one of his casinos that went bankrupt in 1990 maybe uh and uh i'd known him a, bit, a little bit before that around new york but 
you know how you kind of know people. And then he called me and said, listen, I have a friend that has a $5 million Duesenberg. What's the old type car? I always call it Dusseldorf, but this old car, and it's, that, you know, so valuable. He said that, I'll get that. A German car? Yeah. Okay. And he says, I'll get that. And uh, and then I could drive Rosanna on a stage in it like I'm her chauffeur. And I, I kind of laughed because I'm like, okay. I thought, well, now he's in the special. He's figured out a way, which is fine. About a month and a half after we shot that, I get a call from a, a farmer uh, uh, that's calling me at HBO saying, hey, I, I boxed up on my farm this old car that I owned and packed up and drove it all the way up uh, New Jersey to Atlantic City for you guys to use. And uh, Donald Trump uh, promised me $40,000 to do it. And he won't return my, you know. And so I, I, I thought, well, that's kind of, we paid it. We paid it without him. But I thought that's kind of how he does stuff. You know, he figures out how. But it didn't, because he wasn't trying to be president then. You know, you don't think, you think, well, he's sketchy on the business. But then, uh, you know, he would come out here uh, to L.A. when I had my sports show on Fox and and uh, do that. And, you know, he, he always wanted me to be on The Apprentice can I just say your show was the best damn sports show ever? Oh, period. Yeah, that was so fun to to talk about sports and get paid for. It. But anyway, he, one time he came on, and then he does a thing where he uh, it's so good for your ego. Where before we started the interview, he goes, "I just want to say the only reason I'm here is because of Tom Arnold, like not the athlete, but Tom." It makes you feel good. You're like, "Oh, I am special," but he and he is very capable of that. But after the show, he said. Hey, come with me to the Playboy Mansion to meet my new girlfriend, Karen McDougal. She was Playboy of the Year. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'll go over there. He goes, I'm, I'm introducing my bot, new vodka or whatever. They're having a party. So I thought, I'll run over there with him. And I go over there and he introduces me to Karen McDougal. She got a buddy suit on, very, seemed very nice. And so I'd be nice to meet you. And then he said, oh, yeah, and Melania is right. Melania, here's, here's Tom. And, and then here's my daughter. And they all pose for pictures together. And I thought, that guy, there's something. There, There is something. That guy does not care. <laughs> he does not care. So he kept asking me to do The Apprentice. And when they ask you to do The Apprentice, the reality show, first of all, you say to yourself, what's the victory? Would I be Donald Trump's apprentice? What does that even mean? But, you know, I could have used the money then. And they offer 75000 per person. Favored Nations, it's called. But then with me, they said, we'll give you 250000 to write a script for NBC. It's a kind of a secret deal. That's how a lot of these deals work, where they pretend everybody's getting the same, but then they'll do a producer deal. And I really considered it, but I couldn't. And then in, in two, uh, 2011, he started the birther stuff. And it was so outrageous to me. Uh, you know, I called Mark Burnett. I go, how is, how is he allowed on TV? I mean, everybody has to cut ties with this guy, you know? And NBC eventually did, but that was it for me. Like that's a, and that should have been a line for everybody, you know. That you're like, oh, first black president, show me your business certificate. I'm Donald Trump. I demand to see it. Like that. There's so much wrong with that. And then you know, uh, I don't think he went in Russia in 2013 with a bunch of buddy of, of mine. Uh, one of my buddies was Body Man. He went over there for the Miss Universe, and I believe they made Putin's girlfriend win. They let her win, but. You know, he had a conversation with Putin at time and, uh, and, and, and said, you, and Putin said, you should run for president. And it really impressed uh, Donald Trump. And uh, they had some shenanigans over there, et cetera. And 
I, uh, Can I just stop I you there for one second? Because that's kind of breaking news. Because Trump claims he never talked to Putin. And Putin famously in Helsinki said, oh, yeah, when he came, he's just another businessman. And it's like bullshit. But how do you know that they had this conversation where Putin flattered him and said, you could be president? Well, the, uh, the, one of the guys with him, uh, Chuck Labella, who produced uh, The Apprentice and Miss Universe, it was so, he came back and, and uh, told all of us, all the guys, and, you know, this is when Trump wanted to be president. He said that they got together or recalled that, you know, they were on the, you know, laptop or whatever. And then Trump was really impressed by this. So when Trump decided to run, I called uh, Chuck Labella and the other guys, because the other, the producer of The Apprentice, uh, like the executive producer, the most, you know, the guy Trump worked with both. I go, yeah, we got to, you got to make this public. And uh, um, people got very nervous. So Chuck LaBella, who worked in Hollywood a long time, was, was a very sweet guy. So he, that's when I first met Michael Cohen, because Michael Cohen, this is 2016. Michael Cohen, uh, Trump told Michael Cohen to hire a lawyer for Chuck LaBella to sue me for saying that to keep Chuck quiet now chuck works for the D, the rnc now he's got a good job but he was very nervous uh, about it and um and, and i thought well if, if trump really cares this much that he's you know there there's even more there so yeah that 100 percent happened and again i stayed in 2015 i stayed at the ritz carlton in, in moscow for a few months filming a movie and you know the people that work in these places yeah, they talk a lot, and you you always assume there's cameras inside your suites because of Putin. You're across the street from the Kremlin, but yeah, they're like this was right before he officially announced, and there and the people, you know, it's a small world, especially with uh, uh, you know the political world over there, the sexual world, or whatever you want to call it. But I said, well, I got to line all this up. We got to get again. I reached out to Mark Burnett, who's very aware of all this, and. Uh, it came to a head. I publicly, you know, because of the outtakes on The Apprentice, which people still haven't heard, but it came to a head. I, I, I called out all the people that worked on the show. They were very nervous. And then now, you, you kind of broke up. You were talking about the outtakes from The Apprentice. What are they and what will they reveal? When I, on my Best Ass Sports Show period, the sports show I had, uh, my clip producer, uh, his brother was the uh, executive producer of uh, The Apprentice, like the, the the guy that knew Trump the most, the last guy to talk to him before every take. And I don't care what show you're on, the people that work on this show put together, you know, they don't think you're going to run for president, but there's been clip reels about me from my shows that the crew's put together where I'm screwing up or swearing or whatever I'm doing. And uh, they play it uh, at the holiday party. And it's funny. It's like being roasted. But so they put together this uh, clip outtake uh, of Trump where, you know, famously he says the N-word. But he just it's it, that's not even the worst thing he does. You know, he's harassing a camera woman right into her camera. You're effable. He doesn't say effable. You're just over and over again. And just to put this thing together. And it was funny because he wasn't running for president. So then when he, when he ran president, I said, we got to show that to people. And they got very, very nervous. Now, did so, you ever see this compilation or just hear about it? Oh, yeah, yes. You saw yeah, it? I, 
described every shot of it and what show, what episode of The Apprentice that came from. You know, they, they had 18 cameras. And the thing about The Apprentice, legally, they had to run a camera on Trump from the time he got out of the car till the time he got back in the car at night because it is a game show. And in America, it's a federal law. There was a game show scandal in the 50s. So they have to keep cameras on him all the time to see if he's cheating or if, a, if one of the sponsors are telling him who to pick. So all of that and, and all of that they still exists because when you uh, syndicate the show, which they've done, you have to give them that too legally to show that his decisions on the series were his own and not by influences of other people. Now, in this case, uh, it works out, you know, because you see his character. But all these shows are like that. They're so old, old thing in Hollywood, like we don't use that off mic or the off camera. We protect each other because I bet we've said stuff uh, with our mic open that we wouldn't want people to see. It's that sort of thing. And a lot of men do that because men will compromise. Men will. That's why Trump got president because men were like, listen, okay, he's terrible. But when I was in college, I did his thing with his hot dog bun. So we're kind of the same, but but it's not the no, same. But so I can of- understand. It's sort of like the cops. We've got body cams now. And because of the nature of reality game shows, you have to have body cams just to prove it's on the up and up. And so it's distinct from making Roseanne or a different kind of show, right? Right. And that was why I, when else go and I go, I, 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 first of all, I had it out with Mark Burnett at Arnold Schwarzenegger's Christmas party in 2016. He'd been elected. And I said, uh, you've got to give, give me those tapes. And he said, first of all, he pulled up his photos and it was his son as art as uh, Trump's ring bearer. He goes, this is why I can't, but also, he wants the tapes. Trump wants them. You want them. I'm not giving them to either of you. Trust me, he's going to be presidential. And it turned into a big, uh, which he, it, he was not. Well, well, what, about, what about NBC? Wouldn't they have the right as the owner of the show? Or is it different? Yeah, they, they, they do. And here's the thing. When, when they uh, realize that they want, want to sell the show, the first time syndicated, China... This Chinese firm made a huge offer, the biggest offer of all the offers. But they were like, oh, we can't let them, because they would do something with this tape, you know. And I mean, I went so far as my buddy uh, who won a doc- the best documentary of the Oscars for a documentary about the Russian doping scandal, Icarus. He's from Denver, too, Brian Fogel. I just realized that. I met with him, and because we, we talked about where is that tape stored, because there is a... Uh, there's a, a salt mine, this sounds crazy, in Hutchinson, Kansas, underground, where every MGM movie, TV show, whatever, it, uh, is stored underground. It's a, 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 like a nuclear blast-safe environment underground. And that's sort of how all, all the movie studios store their, you know, material there. Well, I tried to figure out how to get into that thing, you know, one well, I know a guy, they have a for- he has a forklift. How do you get in there? What does it look like? And then some uh, people started coming forward as you realize how bad Trump was. And I had a, they said, this, this is a technology is stored on. This is what the stack looks like in the, in the storage thing next to the apprentice. This is what this looks like. I had Brian, I met, and he said, well, uh, we got to get somebody in there and then film 
And that'll be a documentary going in and out of there. They'll probably be arrested by the FBI, but it would have taken too long. But I assume one day this stuff will have to be made public. And uh, and people are like, well, it's too late. Well, it's not too late. And And I have to say all this stuff, Trump lost the last election by 7 billion votes. That was a scary time. But I think people banded together, especially women, because women, a lot of women don't want to be involved in politics. But when things go to a certain point, they're like, it's over. Now we're involved. You men have screwed it up. Now we're involved. So you saw that. And then, of course, he does his election denial thing. And he's still. But I honestly believe my last thing I would say about Trump, I believe and it's something Gavin Newsom said four years ago to me. He's going to go off a cliff and he's going to take the entire Republican Party with him. And they're just going to follow him off a cliff. But but it's going to it's going to be ugly getting there. But and I sense that's what's happening right now. I mean, he would destroy the country. He's trying to. Uh, but I think there's a, a reckoning. And you can tell with these elections, uh, you know, the, the losing this and that and people standing up for freedom and their own rights. But it's going to be. Besides the Hamas stuff, it's going to be a, a rough year in this country because of the political, uh, you know, all, all the animus. And, uh, um, you know, I, it's going to be you. Everybody has to be on the on the lookout. And maybe it didn't have to be that way. And maybe that's why you got rough with Mark Burnett, because you thought, hey, if I can expose to America just how bad he is toward black people, toward women, He's a hater, gay people, and ultimately we'll get back to Jewish people. But you wanted to expose that so that America can make a better choice. I think people have kind of figured it out, but I'm worried about Iowa. Hell, you are Mr. Iowa. Looks like he's going to win the Republican First in the Nation caucus. And what's going on that this guy still has such an appeal? And probably if that Celebrity Apprentice tape was produced, Regular Apprentice, the compilation, would it make a difference to these people? Would it, too, it would to the certain people, the cult people. But I have to say this, if you look back over America, uh, every generation, and it's usually the South, but every generation there'll be a leader that speaks to the white underclass that says, I am you, you are me, and you as a white person are better than the uh, as a, as the worst white person, better than the best black person or the best Jew. I'm telling you, you are. That's who. That's what the country is. That's our blood. That's our. And they buy it. This ma- massive group of white people, white voters, they buy it, and then that guy goes wherever, and they get screwed. And then the, everybody else moves up a notch. All the immigrants, all the people of color, the Jews, the whatever, everybody moves up a notch. And this massive group of white people who fell for it again from uh, from this white guy, they thought that he's like us. Uh, he says everything we think, and he's affirming what we want. But they get screwed probably more than anyone. And, and it takes a while to figure that out. I think, you know, it's funny because Trump, uh, he doesn't stand for anything, as we know, except himself. One of the things I did, once I got Michael Cohen to turn on him, we made a lot of tapes. And uh, he was explained, Michael Cohen was explained to me about the fall walls, because I'm like, there's something up with the fall walls. 
These guys are anti-LGBTQ. They're anti-Muslim. They're build the wall. They're anti-Mexico. But they are having an affair with a Mexican kid, Giancarlo Grande. It's public now. And uh, the hypocrisy. I don't care what people do, couples, if they want to have uh, a three, whatever works in your marriage. Trust me, I've been divorced four times. Whatever works. But the hypocrisy. And then he said, uh, you know, because Michael Cohen worked for them. He was very close to the followers. And then he explained, you know, we started talking about this rapture thing. <laughs> I said, what? Is, first of all, I don't think anybody should be in a public office that they believe that at the end of the world, and it's better after whatever it is, a nuclear holocaust or Jesus, whatever. But he said, I, I, we started talking, I said, why, uh, why do they seem to like Jews? And he said, because they need a certain amount of us. And, and if you know the whole story of the rapture, in the end, we all get incinerated. I'm like, well, that's not very, that's not very pleasant. So, you know, when I see the white evangelicals, uh, you know, I, I, it's great to support Israel, but there's also motivations. And just that story, and my, I'll, I'll send you the tape of Michael Cohen explaining it to me. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild. But these people, it's not Trump. These people that enable him, he's always been awful. He's authentically terrible. He's authentically who he is. He has never changed. And but it's the people around him, you know, the Kevin McCarthy's, the people that I thought were decent people. You know, and I did uh, confront Kevin McCarthy and Ar Arnold had a thing in his house for our charity. And he was so he thought it was so funny. He brought Kevin McCarthy and me. You can see it on social media. He posted it and, and made us go face to face. And I said, he's like, Tom, why do you hate Trump? I go, why don't you hate Trump? The old question. But you know what? These people, it's not like Trump's going to take care of any of these people. They're, they, you know, it's just a terrible place that we're in. But I got to believe that we're all going to come out of this uh, for the better. I hope so. As a proud Jew, do you worry more about uh, white Christian nationalism or jihad? We've yeah. got it coming from all directions, don't we? You remember, uh, when I met Roseanne, a, a talk show had been assassinated in Denver. Allen what Berg. was his name? Allen Berg, 850 yeah. KOA, June 18, 1984. Yeah, that was uh, right. We, we just met, and she was so upset about that. I think that inspired her to speak out more. You know, she's all different now. She's totally on the Trump trade. Who knows what that's about? But then, I mean, it that was a to, big That deal. has to be biochemical or something. Is I mean, she was your wife. And I, I know you've talked about her a lot. And I'd rather focus on Tom Arnold. But she's back on front page of the Drudge Report. And what can you say? I mean, as a fellow Jew, I don't know. Should I have any Rachmanas compassion for her or what? As a human, I guess. Uh, but but I have to say this. Uh, every, uh, uh, let's say every comedian when they get older, you know, uh, there's a point where they're like, what do I got to do to keep uh, the audience? And do I change my material Do whatever? But I've also noticed a lot of people when they get older get more conservative. Now, Roseanne was the most liberal human being I'd ever met. And I learned a lot of stuff from her. And uh, so what happened? Trump did not like her. In fact, I, there's a picture on the internet. It's a picture of us together at the Elton John uh, Pediatric AIDS Oscar party. Uh, Melania, Trump, me and my third wife. And he's leaning over talking to people like, what is he saying? He's saying, oh my God, your, your, your uh, third wife. 
She's very beautiful. Boy, you dodged a bullet with Roseanne. She's disgusting. Like, that's what he said. Nobody even wants to hear that about her ex or whatever. But that's true how he feels. And she hated him. So I, I'm not sure what happened, but she has that blind spot that people in cults have where she can't say, you know, like Trump does stuff that's uh, that, that anybody could say, well, I don't like the, him doing this or I don't, you know, any reasonable person. Same with, you know, Joe Biden. I could say, well, you know, I wish he, he would have been more clear about this or that. I have no, but she can't do that. And she has is in a thing where she's got followers now, not like she used to have. She was the number one star in America, number one TV show, number one book the same week, number one movie with Meryl Streep, you know, number one comedy tour, all at the same time, huge. I don't know, but she's found this, it's on the internet. She first found this kind of cult stuff. And then she she wrote a letter to every congressperson. This is really saying that, that John McCain was a traitor. She took the time to write every U.S. congressman. This is before they gave her her show back. Now, ABC's responsibility would have been to do a deep dive on her social media. Who is she hanging what, you know, she's communicating with actual Nazis. What, And, uh, and that was their mistake because she just was going to keep doing what she does. So I can't say what happened. She has been open about mental illness, but I think it's more than that because it, a lot of us deal with mental illness, but we don't take it, especially when it's been pointed out, what we're doing out here for the world, that that's that version of us, that we, you pull it in. She doesn't need money. She has $100 million for her show. So it's about the, you know, I don't know what it's about, but it's, uh, good. God bless her. I hope she, I hope she uh, does well. I've watched a lot of your comedy bits, and I bet if you go out on the road again, you'll talk about this. Michael Johnson, the new speaker, and his accountability partnership with his 17-year-old. Are you going to do that with your boy as he grows up? It's just, no, 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 no. The only accountability that kids keep, my kids keep being, or how much food I'm eating out of the freezer at night. Nice, <laughs> like, nice. I Ice cream patrol. I, I just, you've been so generous with your time. One more, Michael. And I did go out to Santa Maria to cover his criminal case. I, I kind of knew his defense attorney, and it was amazing to meet him there, Michael Jackson. You knew him. And uh, you already mentioned him at Marvin Davis's dinner table. What was he like and what should we think about him now? Because you started the show talking about Marilyn Vanderbilt Antler. And I know you've talked about your own abuse, Roseanne, and how committed you are to that cause. But you were friends with Michael Jackson. Well, I would not say we were friends. We had dinner a few times in groups. We were Obviously, I was aware of all, all of his uh, music and who he was. But I think that uh, uh, as you get farther away from that, first of all, when you look at the whole story with those kids, I mean, who says, okay, my kids are going to go stay with this man at his play. I'm okay with that. There's terrible parenting <laughs> that put him in this position. And also, you know, he was, a, he was a drug addict. He was on different drugs. And he's got these kids and they're in the same bed. And, oh, he's a Peter Pan type. But, no, he's a grown, grown man. And I think the, the lesson for everybody is we're, we would never, you know, good parents would never be okay with that. And and a, and a healthy adult would never be like Michael Jackson. Like, that's 
that's not okay. You know, this Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, he's got a son that's about his age. Uh, you doubt right. this black kid. And before he was married, it's like, right in, there's, I'm not sure what that's about. I don't know. Uh, I do know that his wife is a, uh, a counselor for the conversion therapy, gay, to get you from being gay. And I just wonder when I see them together, I think she's got her hands full. She's got to do that every day with their husband. And, and that's what I see when they have, he's like, oh, me and my son do the, keep track of each other's pornography. That is so weird. Any normal dad would be like, no, that's with your son. That's, that's insane. That's taking stuff to, I mean, it, they're weird. They're weirdos. These uh, uh, evangelicals, and I, it's great. Do your religion, but keep it out of government. Keep it out. Don't tell me. And the, and the last thing about him is, if you want to know my thoughts, read the scripture. That's why, you know, there's a lot of great stuff about Jesus, the man. And as you know, we, 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 Jesus was a man. He was a human being. He's not all these other things. He did a lot of great things, but you don't hear these guys talking specifically about these great things that who was humble, who, who, who had trouble with the, the, the super rich people who looked out for the poor, the, 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 the immigrants, the sick, yeah, you know, they don't, they, they want, they, their version of Jesus is he has a machine gun or he's Donald Trump, which is probably the worst. So. And he yeah, was a Jew. And that's kind of relevant to say, hey, yeah, and he was prophesied through King David, the king of the Jews. Guess what? We go way back there. But here's what I worry about, Tom Arnold, and I want to end with this. I've been studying this guy, Trump, Putin, too. And I see the argument that he's going to make. The world is chaotic. Uh, Israel is at stake. I can get Putin to call off Hamas. I can call off Putin in Ukraine. He, I am the apple of his eye, and we can't take this chaos anymore. You got to elect me. Don't you think that's going to be the pitch? And I fear that he's going to create a lot more chaos in the interim to to make that argument work. That pitch has always been his pitch. I alone can fix this. There would be no war, no famine, no nothing if I were still president which is only if we surrendered everything. Because he's doing, you could say, well, he's not a Russian asset, but he's a Russian asset. He's doing what Putin wants him to do. You've seen them together, and you know as a man that that, uh, that, that man there, the smaller man, he owns that guy. That guy worships him like he worships Jin Kong, ooh, the North Korea guy, or Xi in, in China. He worships people that, that are uh, dictators. And he's like, I, I get off on that. That makes me feel tingles. So yeah, it'll be way worse. Everybody has to vote. Don't take anything for granted. Everybody has to vote. And whatever the, you know, and, and it looks like it's going to be Biden and Trump again. Everybody has to vote. Right. And even though there are Democrats, the squad, we could talk about Rashida Tlaib, but I'd rather talk about Joe Biden as we end this, Tom Arnold. In my old Jewish soul, I think he gets it. He understands the existential threat, not just for the Jews in Israel, but for America. And I'm proud of what he's doing, especially at his advanced age. Are you proud of him, too? 
absolutely proud. And you know what? He is the anti-chaos guy. And people are like, well, he buys me of my grandpa. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great things about my grandpa. And what they didn't like was chaos. And maybe he talks a little slower. But, you know, j- j- people have underestimated Joe uh, Biden for 50 years. 50 years. And he gets stuff done. And he's optimistic about working with other people. And people are like, you can't be like that. But he does get stuff done. And, uh, and he does care about humanity. You know, he has lost... Anyone that's lost a child, I can't even imagine going on. How do you go on with that? How do you, you know, his wife, his kid, uh, his, his other kid was badly injured, died when he was young, like in an accident. Like, but I would understand why people are like, that's it. I give up. That's okay. That's too much. And that care that stays with you every day. And when people criticize him for, uh, for sharing his story with people who have lost people, I mean, that's the best thing he could do. He's he has had that pain. He has that pain now. And people are like, why does he support Hunter Biden? He's a drug addict because he's his son. You support you love unconditionally your son. You want them to be better. Of course, his you know, that's his son. And a good man, a good father will support their children, even when they're going through this nonsense and stuff. And do you know the do you know the last name of Hunter's new wife? Cohen. Oh yeah, what? Cohen. She's a Cohen too, just like you. Yeah, but let me tell you another uh, real quick. Sure. This has to do with Denver. Uh, Donald Trump got arrested. Junior got arrested a bunch in the nineties, and he got arrested. He was fighting. He was drunk and drugs, and his dad disowned him. For a year, nothing, no contact, nothing. And people, our friends from Denver took care of him. They took him, well, we, we had all these big, uh, we'd go to Maui every, uh, during the holidays. They brought him over, they paid for it, they took care of him. You know, and I remember talking to him like, oh, you know, your dad's a, you know, he's an, he's an a-hole. But, you know, a lot of people are like that. You know, just hang in there. You got a lot of good friends here, these Denver folks. And hang in and, you know, things will work out. But that's how he handled his kid issue. Okay, you're out of my life. That's it. That's it. Uh, nothing. I'm not going to support. I'm not going to support rehab. I'm not going to support anything. And there was a lot of very kind people for Denver that took care of him. And uh, I'll never forget that. Very, very cool. Do you think he's an addict? Do you think he's struggling with cocaine, as people talk about? He has done it. Uh, I think that the, there's an opportunity for him and uh, Hunter Biden. They should be friends now. They have this thing in common where their fathers are presidents and they've struggled with addiction. So uh, in the world I come in, you go, oh, I have a lot in common with that guy. I'm going to reach out, see how he's doing. I'll reach out, see how he's doing. And then we'll share our our experience, our strength, our hope, and maybe we'll help other people. And, And, you know, uh, he's, he's not a throwaway person. I got to interview him in person at 18th and Clarkson in Denver and he was very impressive, and he seemed sober as can be. Great answers, just like you. So I bet you knew him and realized this guy has a good brain. He's been traumatized, but there's a smart guy in there, isn't it? I think so. I think so. Are we talking about Hunter? Or, no, I'm talking uh, about that Don Jr. I got to interview Don Jr. back in 2016, yeah, in person. I've never met Hunter Biden. Yeah, da- Donald Trump Jr., the, the same guy who you said got some care in Denver, he, he was a yeah. 
a substantial, smart guy when he talked to me. Well, I mean, what you probably t- who you talk to is different than the character that he play- has to play on TV for his dad on the internet. But that's how he gets paid. But I think that uh, my compassion for all those kids, when their parents got divorced, if you read the divorce stuff, the mom said that uh, uh, Donald Trump had raped her. And he'd been, you know, he had a, and I do remember he got a hair transplant and a scalp reduction and him telling me, which I had too, where he just cut this part of the scalp. It's very painful. And he'd been on pain medication and it made him crazy. Anyway, so this happens. It's in the divorce papers. The kids did not talk to him. Don Jr. didn't talk to his dad for a couple of years because he was taking care of his mom, what his mom went through. Now, to get the family back together and then to get on the other side of this, I'm sure he has. A, I'm sure he's a smart person. Again, Hunter Biden seems incredibly smart. It, that does you no favors when you're an addict to be smart, and you know, because you're like, it makes sometimes it makes it easier to die. But yeah, I'm sure that he is uh, much uh, smarter and more uh, uh, humble in the real world than uh, than what we have to see because he has to put on a show for his dad. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way you look at it. Who would want that guy to be their dad? I mean, that's, you know, no. you love him for genetic reasons, but you go, okay, that guy, he was terrible, terrible father, he, terrible human. Right. Um, and, and, he, and he was a guy who knew you, who was part of your life. And probably their divorce was second only to your divorce in the tabloids with Roseanne. But the allegation made in their divorce case was to Raul Felder, who I think was the divorce attorney for Ivana, said he kept the collected speeches of Adolf Hitler at his bedside. Do you believe that's true? And what does that portend from a guy who's promising retribution? I, I don't think he would read a whole book. I don't. I he's a guy who obviously don't re, doesn't read, but I believe to because he look at that the speech of Adolf Hitler. And go, okay, that guy was powerful. Uh, I want to be powerful like him. He was a powerful orator. I want to be, I absolutely believe that. I mean, I don't think she would, she didn't take anything back till after she got uh, paid. Uh, and now she's buried in his golf course, which is crazy, uh, which is right. crazy how that turned out. But I do, of course, believe that. And he, he would, uh, you just see who he worships on the world stage. And uh, they are all they are all Hitler like, so I'm sure he's in his mind, you know, like that guy was. Uh, he made a couple mistakes. I'm sure he's thinking, but I would have done it better, <laughs> Donald Trump. I would have, you know, I would have done it all. So, yeah, that's something to think about. Well, it's been great talking. Yeah, it's to you. great talking to you, and uh, you've been so generous, and I admire you. It's uh, you speak out and. I only kid you as a Lakers fan because you guys dominated us for so long. We need to dominate you back for, I don't know, about five or six straight seasons, okay? Well, good luck. I'm happy for you guys do well because it has been a hard time. It's been a long time. So uh, congratulations, you're doing well. We'll see you soon. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. 
it's convenient for the client. It certainly is fun to be able to go visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices, just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey. That's our lawyer. Trish loves him. I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody. For all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years years and i know a lot of people and if i can't do right by you i can steer you in the right direction my number 303-734-7156 ask for craig craig silverman a voice for victims a voice for people with legal difficulties You are saying that Jamie Lee Curtis looks scary now? Well, she's in a Halloween movie. She's supposed to look scary. Do you remember what a babe she was? She was, yeah. Nice to see you, Troubadour. The same, Craig. I hope you've had a good week. It's okay. It's still kind of worked up about Israel v. Hamas, but it's really pretty clear to me. And good to be with you and your wife at a community event. You and I take walks, but we're all trying to figure out how to react. So I thought I'd talk to other smart Jews like you, the group we were with, Herzl Melmed. I've known him a long time. Yeah. I just wonder what the solution is. So I thought I'd have Tom Arnold on, and he's pretty astute. Did you ask him about about Israel, about the... Yes, he's a proud Jew, just like me and you. Just wow. slightly younger than me, which means considerably younger than you. And I made a mistake when I was talking to him because, I don't know, I'm nervous, and in my older age, I, like, exaggerate to my detriment. Right. I said I got married when I was 38, but I was 37. I'm not that old. I'm only 67, but tell everybody how you tickled the twine by hitting <laughs> seven up. I, I did. I hit 70. How does it feel? It, I'm, I'm still standing. I'm happy to be here and uh, feeling good. Well, that is good. Think yeah. about that. 70 years on Earth. Do you know what happened 85 years ago on November 9th and 10th? I do. Kristallnacht. Yes. Yes. We heard some about that last night. Yeah, that was a good panel discussion. Rabbi Joe Black. Oh, yes. He's great. He Rabbi is. Foster's successor. Mm-hmm. All right. Smart guy. Mu great musician. And, uh, yeah, they, um, I think, I don't know if you were there at the time when they were giving him his accolades for, for his musicianship. Yes. But he was, he was honored that. in the, uh, like, the American Songwriter magazine, which is kind of a, you know. And I like that. People in the arts. Yeah. I mean, he's rabbi. He's profound and fascinating. And I yeah, intended to get him on my show. But now that I'm dealing with Hollywood celebrities, you know, <laughs> Tom Arnold's on the Walk of Fame. 
And I told you about it because you're my accomplice on all these podcasts. And he's famous for being married to Roseanne, among other things. He's accomplished in his own right. What a great Hollywood writer. But I asked for the perfect song and darned if you didn't come up with it again. Tell everybody. Well, this one's kind of a a satirical song called Hole in the Head. It's a love song, but uh, he's not professing his love. (laughs) I think he's he's professing his... his, um, decision to move move on from from this woman who right. didn't find him to be her cup of tea. Yes. And that's such a Jewish expression, I think. Yeah. Although I'm a Jewish guy, maybe they say this in non-Jewish homes, but it just sounds like something a Jew would say is I need you like a hole in the head. That it this was uh in fact that was the song's inception. It was my mother her that was a fa- a favorite expression. I need this like a hole in the head, right? right? Like she, she gets a cold or a flat tire or who knows what. And I'm sure she was, you know, she was um, mirroring what her, her mother might have said. I think it probably was, was a Jewish or maybe just a Eastern European kind of thing. But that was, that was her expression. And I always thought that uh, it was pretty funny and worthy of a song. And back to that panel last night, because there was some optimism, the way Israel's coming together. And Herzl talked about the resilience of our people. And that's what we have to do. You, me, Tom Arnold, everybody. We're not going to include Roseanne, because as he explains, I don't know what happened to her, but it's not good. But for most of us, we're all together now, right? And we talk about Donald Trump, who he knows really well for decades, and you'll hear the stories, the audience just did, but mm-hmm. your song, Bits Brother, it really does, and uh, we're going to need, you know, that kind of, I was describing it for the show notes, how would you describe that song? Tragic comic? Yeah, huh. tragic comic is good. Tragic comic song, sure. a hole in the head. Right. By our troubadour, Dave Gunder. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Craig. You say that you love me a hundred long years. Our little romance 
that I dreamed Sometimes you get crazy, sometimes you're just mean And I need you like a man needs a drink I'm so drunk already, he can't even think And yes, I was angry, but it's true what I said I need you like a hold in the head Give me a minute You left for an hour When you returned Your expression was sour Cause my friends had come over Yeah, they didn't even call A blind man can see You don't like them at all And I need Like a jewel needs a thief Your heart is a stone Kept safe out of reach You don't like my music I got too hard a bed I need you like a hole Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is, you can earmark money to take care of your pets um, you know a lot of people you know they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs but then if somebody were to you know if you're if you were to pass away you know who's going to take your dogs who would who would love your dogs as much as you do i don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do but like i grew up with dogs and so if i were to pass away then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs so when you set up a pet trust you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. 
check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Hey, I promised you a good show, and I believe we delivered. There's Dave Gunders with Hole in the Head. Perfect for... Roseanne, and Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold, thank you so much for being so friendly and giving us your honest appraisal of the most important issues of the day. Godspeed to you. Godspeed to everybody who made it through this wonderful podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. I did. I loved it. Tell a friend, subscribe, share on Apple, five stars. That would be great. Check out our shorts on YouTube. We should post some video of me and Tom and that Jewish star tattoo he has on his chest. What a guy. Thank you, Tom Arnold. Thank you, Troubadour Dave Gunders. Until next time, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.